Welcome to Vegas Revealed, episode 52. Magic legend Siegfried Fischbacher passed away this week. We talked to entertainment columnist John Castellamides about the impact Siegfried and Roy's spectacular show had on Las Vegas. We also get an update on what's happening on the strip and off in Las Vegas when it comes to entertainment. And the consumer electronics show known as CES carried on virtually this year. Some of the cool products featured and plans to bring it back to Las Vegas next year. All that and more right now on Vegas Revealed. Everyone, welcome to Vegas Revealed on this lovely, sunny, 70-degree day in January in Las Vegas. I got it all in. I'm Dana Roselli. And I'm Sean McAllister, and I also wish that these warm temperatures were going to stick around, but unfortunately, it looks like it's just a, a flash in the pan. We get teased mm-hmm. with that nice spring weather. And then we dip right back down into the into the 50s and 40s. But you know what? If you're listening outside of Las Vegas, that probably still sounds like warm weather. So we shouldn't (laughs) complain too much, but a taste of the 70s really is nice. It's beautiful outside, I must say. And it makes, you know, living this kind of quarantined life a little bit easier when you can step outside the sun shining and it's 70 degrees. So we'll take it. And, you know, I feel for all the Bills fans because they don't know what that's like. They live in Buffalo, New York, right? And you and I were talking Buffalo Bills because that's where we're both from. We're from Rochester, New York, and we followed the Bills for many, many years. Gone to Bills games. I went to Fredonia, which was a summer camp for the Bills. Yeah, right there in, in Bills territory. Yeah. My sister went to school in Fredonia also, so we would go and and watch the the training camps some years, Mm -hmm. and it really is fun. Western New York really is solid Bill's territory, and there's nothing like going and and tailgating. In the snow. In the snow, (laughs) and it's just those wide-open, flat parking lots outside of the stadium. Yeah, I mean, and and we bring it up because, you know, it's been a while we've been able to really cheer for the Bills this far into it. They are doing so well. It's really brought up the energy and we're seeing it all over Facebook and, and Twitter and talking to our family and friends back home. And And we weren't sure if everyone knew that, you know, Sean and I were from there and we thought it's really cool to see. And, you know, a couple places here in town as well that support the Bills. Naked City is a great uh, pizza place here in Las Vegas. And they also are from Buffalo, New York, and I've been watching their Instagram feed and then saying, you know, they're doing doing events outdoors and they're, they've got a tent up and everyone's watching the Bills game. So it's fun to see and follow. It is. And it's exciting to see the Bills get this far in the NFL because I know growing up when, when it was Jim Kelly and mm. Doug Flutie, like those were the glory days oh, yeah. of the Buffalo Bills. And, and we got so close, so close to winning the Super Bowl. And I think in Miami, the Miami Dolphins were always, you know, yep. the arch rivals. Um, but it was... Dan Marino, right? Was that- Yeah, it was Dan Marino. <laughs> my, um, putting Squish my age the out fish there. is what we would always chant. Um, but it is. It's nice. I know everybody who is a Bills fan finally has this feeling of victory uh. and like, oh my gosh, this could be the year that we do it. I know. It really is exciting. And when we talk about, even when we talk about Jim Kelly and Doug Flutie, that was like a long time ago. There's been plenty of other quarterbacks in between. There have. (laughs) But, um, and yeah, I used to work for my first TV job. I would go to the Bills game locker room and I was the camera, because I did the camera as well, for the quarterback press conference after the game wow yeah I would go with two guys in the sports team and they would always say we need a third hand you know can we get someone and so I was an anchor and reporter at the time I said well I'll go so I would do the camera for Doug Flutie and so I have a little soft spot for Doug Flutie because uh, I was always at that because they they had to go in the locker room I couldn't go in the the football player locker right. room because I was a girl. So anyway, but you know, I remember Doug Flutie and he was always just such a great part of the Bills and so humble and you know, the whole Hail Mary and yep. just everything. And and Jim Kelly days were amazing. Well, and I know that our listeners in Canada are, are 
you know, they're very familiar with the name Doug Flutie because he came to the Buffalo Bills out of the Canadian Football League. So, you know, Doug Flutie is a, a name that's known, right. you know, for, for Bills fans and uh, for football fans up in up in Canada. And, you know, Dana, I was just looking mm-hmm. because you mentioned the snow during Bills games in Orchard Park. That's where um, the Buffalo Bills stadium is. The snowiest game that the Buffalo Bills played, it was back in 2017. They were playing the Indianapolis Colts. Uh Just guess how much snow fell during the game. I remember images, but I have no idea. So it was between eight and nine inches of snow (laughs) fell during the game alone for that what three hour span of time ultimately that storm dumped about 16 inches of snow my god do you miss it no i really (laughs) really don't and everyone's like oh it's fun it's the whole part of it i hated it it just you know i didn't mind it when i was a kid but you know as i got older and older i'm like i'm over this yeah it's pretty to look at from the window but well, that's why we live in Las Vegas right. now, and we tell people you don't have to shovel sunshine. No. And you know who else lives in Las Vegas is O.J. Simpson, and sometimes he goes out to watch the Bills games, being a former Bills player. Um, but, you know, mentioning O.J. too much is kind of maybe a waste of time, but just heads up, everyone. The juice is loose again right <laughs> here in Las Vegas. Right. And he has plenty to say on his Twitter account if you want to follow O.J. He usually does a little uh, football analysis on there. I don't follow, but I'll admit every, every now and then I, ha- I go sneak a peek and listen because it's, you know... What do you call that when it's it's so bad it's good? It's like a train wreck. Yeah, I mean, well, it's like just, when you pass a car crash, you're shocked. You can't help but look. Yeah, you're shocked. They're speaking and uh-huh. giving their two cents on a bunch of different subjects, but then you can't put it down. So uh, yes, the juice lives in Las Vegas, and and he's he's a big fan of the Bills. And so, uh, <laughs> some sports figures we are proud of here in Las Vegas <laughs> are the Vegas Golden Knights. NHL action is back on the ice. Our Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they're back at it. They won their first game against uh, the Anaheim Ducks. Okay. And uh, now they're on to play uh, the Coyotes this week down in Arizona for a a four-game stand. That's exciting. There were, what, 55 games left, I think they said now. We've officially kicked off. And, yeah, and when you and I were just chatting about Arizona, they let fans in the arena, right? Yeah, and actually, I, I misspoke. It's four games against the Coyotes, but the first two are down in Arizona. The second two games are here in Las Vegas. Okay. But if Vegas fans want to go down, they can. There are tickets available down there in uh, in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're allowing 3,500 fans inside of the arena there. Right. I mean... It's a great road trip. It's close by. If you're looking to get out of town and you do it safely, why not, right? Go support the team. I have a feeling a lot of people are going to head there from Las Vegas. It wouldn't surprise me. No. Not at all. And I know, oh, I was so disappointed after about, I don't know, a few hours before the first game here in Las Vegas. This was, you know, last week the Golden Knights were playing. And the team put out a tweet saying, hey, if you're at home and you're making, and if you can make a sign and drop it off at the arena before 1.30 on game day, we'll try and put up as many signs as we can up against the glass. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't see any signs ultimately up against the glass during the broadcast, so I'm guessing that not many people were able to get their signs down there by the deadline. But it, it makes me wonder if that's something that they're going to be doing on a regular basis now. I bet. So if fans want to make their sign, go drop it off inside the, the front doors of the arena. Listen, they're a fabulous organization. They always find ways to get the fans involved. I think, you know, I'm going to say better, better than any other team out there, but, you know, their social media is on point. And I think during these times to keep the fans engaged, keep the fans interested, have the players feel the support. They're going to need to do things like that. I think it's a great idea. And they're also, in addition to uh, the games being televised on AT&T Net here in Las Vegas, um, they're also doing a Facebook simulcast mm-hmm. so that when the game goes to commercial breaks, they have Mark Chinook, who's mm-hmm. the, the in-arena host when you're there at the games. He's hosting the... Um, kind of the festivities during period breaks and during commercial breaks from there inside 
Great the arena. Idea. So they're doing this multi-screen broadcast for the Golden Knights games, which is such a so great fun. idea. So fun. Yeah. It keeps everyone engaged. And, and now we have a, okay. So I didn't get this part, Sean. I follow the Knights. I, I see as many games as I can. I love, you know, the, the team. And the one thing that confused me a little and I didn't look into the other day, they said that Mark Stone is the first captain. So did we not have a captain before? We did not. Okay. That, that makes sense. That's what I assumed, but I didn't know if there was more to that. Yeah, so okay. no, we never had um, a, a captain under Gerard Gallant, mm-hmm. the, the former head coach of the Golden Knights. I think, was it midway through last season when Pete DeBoer came in? Yes. From was that last season? San Jose. It was like forever ago. Um, yeah. I know. I, the timeline of things is <laughs> just so... Was it last so, season or well, the season I don't know. before? The season I don't was know. like <laughs> split in half yes. because of COVID and... Yeah. I, I honestly don't remember what the timeline was, mm-hmm. but um, that was something, it was a holdover from the inaugural season when there wasn't a team captain. There were certainly notable faces and there were veteran players who were pushed to the forefront, but um, there was no designated captain that right. has changed this season, as you mentioned. Okay, I love that. I love it. Congratulations to Mark Stone. It's always good to have a leader on the team. So we look forward to more Golden Knights games. Going to keep us busy, able to watch them on TV. And like you said, the Facebook shows will be cool too. So speaking of uh, Facebook, virtual, you know, behind the scenes things, uh, CES back this year, but not back in Las Vegas. It was a big virtual event, which seems appropriate since it's the Consumer Electronics Show. It does. I was thinking <laughs> the exact same thing. I was like, if if any convention is going to go virtual, it may as well be CES because they kind of already do that even while the convention is happening here in Las Vegas on right. a, a, under normal circumstances. And this year they did introduce some really cool products. So a couple, well, I should say a few. There's a good three that Sean and I really loved and wanted to share with you. And one was this LG and TCL rollable smartphone. So I was like, what does that mean? But it's you pull out the screen to make it bigger from your phone because, you know, sometimes it's just not enough on the small screen. Right. So, I mean, I there has been talk about um, a phone with a rollable screen over the past couple years. I know that you and I, Dana, were both over on the convention floor at CES last year. Yep. Um, and there were TVs that have the rollable screen that they roll either up or down, either up out of a cabinet or down out of a, a rolling unit. Um, and it's really thin. I don't know what material it's made out of. That's way over my head. Yeah, but, leave that up to them. <laughs> but it really is, I mean, such a crisp, clear picture and um, people are wondering how the technology will ultimately work in a, a phone setting, right? I guess I don't even know how to say that. Yeah, <laughs> phone application, I guess. I know. Well, and you know, CES is usually it's where they debut products that will usually come out soon. Sometimes there's some that are already out there, but usually looking ahead. So sometimes there's little tweaks that can still be made, and mm-hmm. they introduce it and see if there's you know you know, a reason that people definitely want this and then, you know, they go to market, but, but it's great to see all the new technology. And that definitely seems like something that could be used, especially for business people that are on the go, they're traveling a lot because then you got to bring, you've got to bring the, the iPad, you got to bring the phone, you got to bring the right. laptop and yep. sometimes it can get a lot, but you just pull your screen out and make it bigger, even better. It would be nice for travel for mm-hmm. sure. Um, one of the other products that, that caught our eye was the Samsung Bot Handy. <laughs> so this is a household robot that kind of helps you with your day-to-day chores. It'll go around the house and it'll pick up your laundry Love It'll that. help you make the bed. It can uh, help put dishes in the dishwasher. But Dana, the one thing that impressed me the most about Bot Handy is that it can pour you a glass of wine. Uh, <laughs> that is the best. I mean, can you imagine? And especially if it's like programmed to do it. I don't know if it feels you out or it's got like a certain time <laughs> that it pours the wine. Like you come home at five o'clock, the wine gets poured by 520. I don't know how that works. <laughs> well, I'm sure that it can work however you want it to. Right. This robot is there to serve. Oh my gosh, I love it. So yeah, the Bot Handy is still in development. Apparently no definitive price or sales date at the moment. 
moment because like we said they introduce a lot of products there so hopefully this will will come to fruition because i think a lot of people that probably have some money would appreciate having the bot around the house instead of a stranger coming in to clean the house and do chores right it, it would be great and, and by the way go to our vegas revealed youtube channel um in our uh rapid update we have some video to show you um what some of these products look like in action um one of the other things that that caught our eye not only is it you know cars and health devices and robots to help with chores and all this technology stuff lifestyle technology has really become a main focus at ces and among the lifestyle products that we're seeing this year are smart refrigerators. Oh my gosh. So I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like how? Like how can a refrigerator be smart, right? So then we looked into it and it's this LG InstaView ThinQ refrigerator with voice recognition. So apparently, you know, you can tell it what to do, like to open the refrigerator door, like you come in with all your bags and usually you've got to put them down, walk over to the door, open the door. It's a whole process. Well, now you can just have the bags in your hand, tell the refrigerator door to open and you can just put them right in. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's kind of like uh, the the back tailgate on a lot of vehicles now mm -hmm. on some SUVs, <laughs> you know, right. when, when those first came out people were like do we really need a tailgate that opens on its own right but in practice mm -hmm. in, in actual real life use it actually does come in really handy yeah and i was noticing it can do create the shopping list for you when apparently your common items like the ones that you normally get start to get low so it can let you know yeah i mean but we don't have to think at all anymore but we don't <laughs> Incredible. And it's so great. I uh, love it. I know. <laughs> well, listen, the good news is, as well, is that uh, CES is going to be back in Las Vegas for 2022. So we definitely are excited about that. We love when CES comes to Las Vegas because everyone comes into town and they go to shows and they gamble and they eat at the restaurants and they go to the convention. So again, it will return to Las Vegas in 2022. This week, we got the sad news here in Las Vegas that longtime entertainer Siegfried Fischbacher of the famous illusion duo Siegfried and Roy passed away. And really sad news, especially since it comes in such close proximity to losing Roy Horn. That's right. And we've got John Castlemedes from the Review Journal with us today. Because, you know, when we heard the news, we thought, who has the most background information on Siegfried and Roy that we know? And immediately we thought of Katz. Katz, when did you find out? Uh, early this morning, you know, early this morning. The news originally broke in an interesting way uh, in a Bild uh, publication in Germany. And that's a, that's a publication that um, covers Siegfried and Roy. Uh, the reporters there are no uh, Siegfried's sister, who's a nun in that region. And Siegfried's sister, Sister Dolora, talks to, has talked to both the guys, but you know, has talked to Siegfried over the years. And every time she talks to Siegfried, she turns around and talks to Bild. And Bild writes a story in German. Then we take the story and translate it from German to English and see if there's anything to it. And then we confirm it independently. That's what happened here. That's what happened with this story. So wow. uh, that's how it all unwound. So it goes from, from a little Bavaria in Las Vegas, Nevada, overseas to Germany, Bavaria, wherever it is, then back to Las Vegas. <laughs> so it makes a cross-continental cross trip before we can report it. But that's, that, was the, that was the way it went. And uh, yeah, he, had, he, had been, he had been recovering from pancreatic cancer uh, for... Um, you know, since at least December yeah. and, uh, and went uh, peacefully at home last night at the, or on, uh, I should say on uh, Wednesday night uh, at about 1130 PM. That is quite the chain of events for us to get the news here in the States. Um, I'm wondering, Katz, was it widely known that Siegfried had pancreatic cancer? No, he was very private about this. It would only broke uh, last week. In fact, I think it was uh, uh, you know, probably it was out there probably about four, three or four days before he passed. So it was pretty quickly and mm -hmm. he had been treated. He had undergone um, surgery to remove a tumor. And then after that surgery, he was um, released in, in hospice care 
at their estate here in Las Vegas. Yeah. So, you know, it, it happened for the time frame was pretty quick after we mm-hmm. learned of the cancer uh, treatment. And Siegfried and Roy, they've always been such private people, obviously, you know, out there in front of the world when they were performing on stage mm-hmm. and at events. But when it came to their personal life, I always felt like they really had the privacy down. Yeah, you know what it was, Dana, and looking back on them, they were very, uh, in a certain way, they were public and in the spotlight all the time when they were public. You know what I mean? When they were in public, they were available, accessible. They were stars. They understood that. But when they were not, it was it was very, uh, yeah, very private lives they led. And mm-hmm. so, you know, with, with Siegfried, even after, you know, after Roy had passed away and we were all, you know, being shut down as we were, he only made one personal appearance after that. And that was at the um, sign dedication, the, the right. Siegfried-Roy Drive sign at the Mirage. That was the only time he was in, in public for any, you know, for the public after sure. uh, Roy died in, in, on uh, May 8th. Mm-hmm. So they were uh, yeah, a lot of mystique there, a lot of mystique. Yeah, and, you know, we were writing up a post for Instagram. Uh, obviously, we've seen him around town many, many times. Sean had a great picture with uh, Siegfried and Roy. We were looking to post it and going, okay, what do we write? How do we, how do we describe Siegfried and Roy? And we thought, you know, they really put magic on the map in Las Vegas. Would you agree? Yeah, I think that they advanced magic. Magic existed primarily as a side act in Las Vegas. Um, and, and as a live and live shows, probably everywhere, uh, you know, as part of a larger show, as part of a variety show. And in Las Vegas, it was part of the adult productions, you know, things like uh, uh, Follies Berger and Lido de Paris. And, you know, later on uh, with Jubilee, magicians had about a 10 or 15 minute, maybe 20 minute slot in the context of that show. So you'd have musical numbers and then you'd have a side act and you'd have another musical number. A few minutes, then you'd have Siegfried and Roy and then another musical number. Then you'd have a, you know, a last side act. You'd have three or four side acts that would split up a larger production. What Siegfried and Roy did was grew that from that uh, format to uh, their own big show, big show. And that was uh, beyond belief at the frontier. And that was in 1981. Before that live magic at, a large scale in and of itself for, you know, an hour and a half was a pretty rare concept. You know, it had not been done in Las Vegas as a residency show ever. So they, that's what they established. And when they did that, uh, magicians came from everywhere. Magicians, Las Vegas became the magic mecca. You know, we had all kinds of magicians come to town because they saw the kind of success that Siegfried and Roy were having. But, um, you know, I think what really set them apart was their use of animals. You know, mm-hmm. that nobody could use the, the exotic animals the way they did. And uh, that really set them apart. That's the only place you could really get a large scale show with, with exotic big cats with Siegfried and Roy in Las Vegas. And even after their show closed following that onstage tiger attack, uh, Siegfried and Roy really remained fierce advocates for the cats, didn't they? Yeah, they were. Um... You know, they were very much, uh, they promoted the care of those rare animals. I know that, you know, they, they, uh, they wanted to show the public that these were special creatures and, uh, and that's why they used them in the way they did. And, and the later years at the, uh, secret garden habitat, uh, it was really apparent there. Roy was really the one who introduced exotic animals into the, into the format, into the, the duo originally. He had a cheetah on the ship that they worked on. Somehow he commandeered a cheetah and brought it on the ship when they were working as a, in a restaurant as servers. And they both knew how to do magic, but uh, uh, Siegfried was working with birds, you know. And uh, Roy said, well, I have an animal also. And he took him into his, uh, his cabin and he had a cheetah in there. And they started mm-hmm. working with that animal. And that was how the animals started in the, in the act. But you think about the odds of these guys finding each other in life. You know, it's, it's really amazing that these two people met each other. You know, this is the days before there was any kind of network where two guys with like interests that are so specific and so unique would ever pair up. Right. These guys happened to find each other out there in the universe. Germans, same interests, same drive, you know, same personality type. And uh, it, it was it's some pretty incredible uh, story just and it's a great story of uh of immigrants you know yeah. the Las, yeah. Las Vegas United States too there's that angle also mm-hmm. it's a, a story for all time 
Well, and they were, you know, partners on stage, partners in life, best friends, really inseparable. And, you know, when I heard the news this morning about Siegfried, I thought, I don't know if I'm surprised because I really felt when Roy passed away that it wouldn't be much longer and that Siegfried wouldn't be able to go on. Obviously, he had cancer, but, you know, they just really needed to function together. They were such a team. Yeah, and my conversation, the last time I talked to Siegfried at the sign uh, dedication, it was very apparent that he was so sorrowful that um, not only that Roy was not with him, but the way that Roy wasn't able to kind of um, initiate or orchestrate or control his his final days. They had to take him out of Little Bavaria and had to have him in ICU to treat him for COVID. Yeah. And he really didn't like that. Siegfried didn't. And uh, he was he was very, you know, uh, the last time he talked to Roy, the last words Roy said to Siegfried were, don't let them take me. Because they were taking, they were bringing him out of the little Bavaria estate uh, in an in, a, in an ambulance. So I think that the fact that he was able to stay there and pass away in his own way was sort of a you know uh, inspired by the way uh, Roy went out. But and and talking to um, Bernie Human today, you know we know Bernie is their longtime. Oh, yeah. He he did reiterate that because there was no uh, they had to be one. There was no other alternative. There was never a Siegfried and Roy. Uh, there was never a Siegfried act away from Siegfried and Roy. There was never a Roy without Siegfried. And you think about how long it was after Roy was taken out of uh, entertainment. And Siegfried was still capable of putting on live shows for sure. And there was never an idea to split that brand and, and do that. They never performed a ticketed show apart from each other, which is pretty remarkable since, the 19, since they got here in 1967. And uh, so that's that's a commitment to a person and a commitment to a legacy and a commitment to a brand and a production. And uh, it it doesn't happen anymore. You look at all these duos over the years. At some point, somebody did something solo. You know, Mm -hmm. they they all did. You know, everybody has. Not these guys. And that's so interesting. I was just thinking about legacy. And when you have entertainers of the stature of Siegfried and Roy, you would think that each individual entertainer would then carry their own legacy. But that's not the case. They they pretty much have a combined legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd look at, uh, you know, uh, you look at something like Penn and Teller, for example. You know, they're you know, a magic duo. They've been, they've had that brand together, and they are, they do what they do. It's a lot different than Siegfried and Roy, but they've also had their independent, you know, uh, pens written books. And Teller had the Tempest here in Las Vegas that he produced. It was kind of you know Teller uh, or Teller had the Tempest that he produced, and Penn supported it. But it was really a Teller project. They've done things independently. Uh, Siegfried and Roy. There was no Siegfried autobiography. There was no Siegfried TV special. There was never a Siegfried uh, magic book, you know, any of the, right. any product magic kit. Uh, and, uh, the, and I know that this is true. This is not just these guys. They just wanted to enforce a brand. They were definitely an interlocked couple, team, pair, whatever you want to say about them, confidant. I mean, I told the story and I'm telling it in my column that's coming out tomorrow about seeing them at Las Vegas Athletic Club. Um, I used to see them. And they would bring Roy in, and uh, the woman, um, the, car- the caregiver named Melody, who would, was always with them too. And sometimes Lynette, but uh, Lynette Chappelle, but he's, Siegfried was always there. And he would roll in with, with Roy in his sweats, and they'd come through the locker room. And they, were just, they would just go get into the VIP area and dress down and come back out, and they'd go to the treadmill and work out. And there was no audience for this. There was no other reason for Siegfried to be involved other than to motivate Roy in his rehabilitation. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's a real thing. That's real friendship. You know, there was no ticket to be sold, no money to be made, no TV show, no cameras following them around at this point. It was just those guys. And uh, I remember seeing him at uh, one time I was was getting up from a bench to, to go out and work out. I was standing up and I stood up and these guys came around the corner and I went, I was met 
Siegfried face to face in the gym, you know? And I'm like, whoa. I go, what are you doing here? And he goes, you're stucking us. I go, I thought, I thought I'm not that dedicated. Are you kidding me? He's like, he, yell, he yells it, and the whole gym turns around, you know? Like, you guys are killing me if you think I'm following you to this gym. <laughs> well, I guess at least you know where you needed to go if you needed a soundbite, right? Mm-hmm. His, he was so funny because he was always, Siegfried especially, was always put upon. He always pretended to be put upon by, you know, I want to interview him. And I would, you know, I'd be in an interview with him. i say, hey, I want to get a few uh, uh, moments for, from you about the biopic. Or I want to ask you about, you know, whatever they had going on. And uh, I, I say, so what's going on? What's the latest with the script? Always with the questions. Always. Always. I go, that's what I do. You knew I was going to ask you about this. And he'd pretend to be so put upon. You know? And I go, if you didn't want to be famous, you shouldn't have been famous, all right? <laughs> but he was a star, man. That's what I'm writing about for tomorrow. You saw this guy walk across the room. I think, Danny, you, both of you guys have seen this, where he walked across the room at a gala. You knew this man was somebody. It looks like yeah. the light was following him, right? Yep, yeah. it's, true. it's true. Straight up, his hand on his belt, walking through, waving at people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He knew. Well, and, and I don't know if it's ironic or fitting that we've lost arguably two of the biggest global entertainers that are tied to Vegas at a time when entertainment has, in some ways, died here in las vegas yeah we're definitely in a on a you know and i think i was thinking about this today too with all the, the changes we've had anyway you know and and the siegfried passing away and a lot of uh, you know an entertainment being com- almost totally an, an idol right now and uh, you know we, we lost uh, you know the uh, sheldon adelson one of the uh, groundbreaking resort pioneers in our city and philanthropic figures and so so connected to las vegas and siegfried and roy this huge international yeah. brand and you know, I'm thinking about this. Yeah, it's it's like we're you know, and I've got I'm getting texts from our friends that are saying, you know, God, old Vegas is dying out, and I'm like, I'm thinking, well, we're at a pause right now, anyway. It's time to, for us to really understand something here in the city, and that is that there, there's a new era of Las Vegas that's going to to be coming in, whether we have planned for it or not. There's going to be a next generation of Las Vegas when this is all over with, and it won't be the next Siegfried and Roy, maybe. It'll, we will learn from that and we'll, we'll own it. But we're going into a territory now where we recover, where we take advantage of, uh, of the opportunity to restart the city and create a new version of Las Vegas. And I think this is all happening uh, leading into that, you know, uh, as, as sad as everything can be. I think that, that was, that's what we're seeing right now. I think that there's a new version of the city, a new incarnation of Las Vegas where it matures a little bit, where it's not the same as it was before uh, COVID. And uh, where there's new faces, new figures, new energy, you know, new ideas, new concepts about what the city can be. But I, I do think that Las Vegas is going to maintain its position as an international tourism destination. And we have Siegfried and Roy uh, to credit for, uh, for starting that. You know, their mm-hmm. showmanship helped put Las Vegas, set it apart as a, as a very glitzy and glamorous place. So we just build on it, you know? Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, I feel like at this point that we're at now, we really have no idea what the future does hold for Las Vegas or what way it's going to go. You know, it's all seemed at first like we were going to just get back and get going and things would be exactly the same. We were in this short pause. But now that it goes on longer and longer, I think it's hard to visualize what Las Vegas will be in the next, you know, year or so. Yeah, I think I think part of it is, and as we talk about something like a Siegfried and Roy, we won't have uh, at least you know in the in the next generation of Las Vegas that a Siegfried and Roy type residency show. You know, those days are in the past. We're gonna it's gonna be a new uh, kind of entertainment that's gonna be you know probably uh, smaller. You know, it's gonna be more uh, you know close up intimate, whatever term you want to use. Or I, I like inexpensive. Uh, yeah, less expensive, more, you know, and more, you know, f- more fluid. Maybe it's a, it's, it's a, some of the ideas we've had, the projects and concepts around them. And, you know, you stay for 45 minutes and then you go off to dinner, you go to dinner and go to see something for a short period of time and then go off to the next big thing. You know, I, I use the term ninja. Las Vegas has to be ninja when it comes out of this. We can't just be this giant aircraft carrier of a city, this behemoth. With, you know, we're going to have these giant shows everywhere. You know, it's going to be more, um, you know, more targeted. 
you know, more nuanced, a little bit, you know, uh, you know, more inventive. And I think, but I think people are going to be entertaining each other in Las Vegas when this is over with. There's no question about that. They're, they will find a way to do that. Um, and if you, you know, it's funny, we were talking about this whole thing with spectacle and scope and everything. The last thing that, that uh, Siegfried ever did as a performance at all to entertain human beings was this little, little coin trick that he did would do where he'd grab your forearm and all of a sudden he'd make a coin disappear out of your arm. One of those little Siegfried and Roy tokens. He would do that at the secret garden, you know, and just do that with kids or tourists, you know, that was his odd little audience. <laughs> that was of all this stuff that they did, these million dollar, billion dollar, you know, productions over the years, that was how he, uh, he ended up entertaining people at the end. So, you know, he found a way to do it. And John, while we have you, I want to switch gears and talk about entertainment overall and how the entertainment scene is looking as we look at a city that's kind of struggling to crawl back to some kind of normal here. Uh, uh, that's uh, Well, I can tell you, and uh, I've been having a lot of conversations, uh, as I always do, with, with people in the industry. Uh, I will tell you that generally speaking, we, what needs to happen for entertainment to co start coming back to any significant degree is to have the um, public gathering restrictions expanded again to 250 like they were before. You know, and I know that's a very tough thing for people to, to you know, endorse maybe right now because of the COVID numbers that we're looking at. But um, there's a way, producers are telling me, entertainers are telling me, there's a way to do this safely. There's a way to get 250 people into a room and watch a show safely. That is in uh, that is consistent with the other protocols that the state has allowed in casinos and and uh, in other you know in other public places and and even outdoors like on Fremont Street experience in airplanes that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Until that happens, if we stay at fifty, we're going to be just almost latent or almost where we are. Uh, it's very difficult for fifty people to um, for, for a show to play to fifty people especially with the distance directives, the 25-foot distance I've been harping on for a while now between the stage and the audience. Um, so given that, until that can happen, um, we do have a little bit of activity, and a lot of it is, uh, there's a lot of it off the, off the strip. You know, there's a, there's yeah. a little, there's, a, there's kind of an, an off-Broadway style cabaret club called Cork and Thorn I've been hitting a little bit lately. A small place in downtown Las Vegas on Imperial Avenue, just off of uh, uh, between Main and Commerce. It's, it's like a service alley between those streets. You go uh -huh. in there, and it's really cool. It's very cool. And they've got a killer band set up there, and Sky Miles set, has been singing on Wednesdays. That's going on. That's the kind of thing you see. The Vegas Room and, and the Commercial Center, where we've, we've uh, uh, been, they're expanding their uh, programming, and they're going to be, uh, and Jason Allen, our friend, is going to be uh, the entertainment director there from uh, Mayfair Supper Club. So he's bringing in a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of talent. Jamie Hosmer, people like that are coming in. Sky, again, is going to be in there. Philip Officer is, is going to be in there. They're doing brunch. On the Strip, I will tell you that uh, Thunder from Down Under is opening again this weekend to 50 people, the uh, mail review at Excalibur. That's happening. And they're going to be doing, uh, I think, eight shows a week. Uh, at Thunderland, uh, that's Adam Steck's Spy Entertainment. So they're back. Uh, Brad Garrett's Comedy Club uh, has returned um, a couple of weeks ago at MGM Grand. He's putting comics to work in the underground at MGM Grand, his original club. Uh, X Burlesque has reopened what they call uh, its private show. It's the private show for uh, an audience of 30. That's 15 uh, cocktail tables, bank, uh, banquet, no, cocktail tables, I should say. Uh, two people per table, and they're running their full show like they did before, except everybody's in masks, and that includes comedian Nancy Ryan. So they've returned. I just wrote a column about that. That was a, a noble performance. <laughs> it was it was bold, and uh, but it was great. We had a great time, and that at, you know the holdovers include tape base is still at Harris Showroom, um, X Country is still at um, at the Harris Cabaret. And uh, a lot of lounge act, some lounge activity. The uh, Lake Cabaret at Paris, Las Vegas is activated on the weekends, as is Indigo at Bally's and Napoleon's, the uh, uh, dueling pianos. 
So those that's where our entertainment is right now. Notoriety, Ken Henderson's place is still going at the. Wow. Yeah, and uh, and, and there's also programming at Alexis Park, by the way. Full shows, the Motown tribute, the burlesque show that's opening that has opened this weekend, uh, that uh, Pete Housley's producing. That's uh, those are those are also new shows. All the scantily clad shows are coming back. Go figure. Yeah. Oh, and Ozzy. Well, there's a, there's an adult show at Alexis Park, and Ozzy Heat is still at uh, at Mosaic. Wow. Uh, not a it's a it's a standalone place, but uh, yeah, Keeping you can. Yeah, you can dance with a mask on and be distant and still uh, entertain. So even at strip okay. clubs, uh, I don't know. I don't think there's any. Well, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that because uh, Jen Romus's uh, sexy show has been performing at um, Larry Flint's Larry Flint's Hustler Club, right? Uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I've been to that show. I'll tell you what, guys, man, it is fun. <laughs> they they work they work that room. It is. They work out that room. It's like, holy mackerel. I said, obviously, it should be obvious, but I will reiterate, that room was built for that kind of content. Yeah, it was <laughs> literally yep. built for it. There's a pole in play. <laughs> yeah, putting the sin back in Sin City, that's for sure. But listen, you running down that huge, long list of things that there are to do, I think when we think of Las Vegas right now, we feel like, well, there's gaming and there's restaurants, but nothing else. But there are things to do if you're a local or if you're visiting Las Vegas, you just need to seek it out. You do. You have to, yeah, you have to do your homework. And I'll tell you, there's some really cool stuff. I bring up Cork and Thorn. I bring up the Vegas room. Um, we mm-hmm. have Broadway talent in the, the Vegas room, like Randall Keith has been performing in there, you know? I mean, it's, it's like a Michelle Johnson. I go on and on about Ruby Lewis. Um, you know, these are very, you know, they maybe aren't superstar headliners, but they're super talented. Yes. And uh, the comics that are on stage are, are, are very good. The ones that are, that have been performing at the notoriety, the LA comedy club has been bringing people in too, I should say at the, at the uh, stratosphere strat. Uh, we have quite a bit more than people really appreciate. But the, the thing about Las Vegas is, as you know, when you have more than 100 shows going or upwards of 150 shows going every night, you know, forever each week, it seems like when you take all, you know, most of them off the stage, they're all gone. But there's still, a, you know, quite a bit of stuff going on when you compare it that way. So. And yeah. I wanted to ask you, what about Rose Rabbit Lie at the Cosmopolitan? It's a restaurant. It's got entertainment. And I saw you post recently that they're taking a pause. And I wasn't sure. I'm hoping it's just a pause. Do they plan on coming back? I, yeah, we love it. Um, I learned <laughs> when I made that post, I wrote a, a column about it. And then I made the post, I think it was on Instagram. It might have even been in the Twitter post as well. I use the term indefinite. They're indefinite, pausing indefinitely. The word indefinite, I think people saw that and said that I meant forever, which is not the definition of indefinite. But I had to change the word because so many people were confused by it. (laughs) It's on temporary pause. It's it's on pause. What they need, as I said before about the 250, Rose Rabbit lies that kind of room. It's, it just can't, it can't yeah. perform to 50 people uh, at a time at like, as things are going on right now. They just need, they need more diners in there. They need more people in there. And they, uh, they're saying that once that those restrictions are, are relaxed, they're going to be able to fill that place and, and uh, have it run as normal. But they, they took it down a couple weeks ago, and uh, they are saying that you know, everybody's costumes, everybody's stuff is still in there. They just, they just, uh, it's a financial move based on current times. They, I think the hotel needs that, that place to be what it is. And uh, so, yeah. you know, that's where we are right now. Uh, conversely, Mayfair Supper Club, which is it's kind of the, the show that's most like it, is still running. So over at Bellagio. So they're still going, but Rose Rabbit isn't. And it's, it's on okay. hiatus. Yeah. Hope that it's a short temporary pause and not a long temporary pause so that our entertainers can get back up on the stage where they're supposed to be and visitors can get back in the seats where they're supposed to be and Johnny Katz can get back all around town where he's supposed to be. Katz, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to hear your perspective on things. Katz is busy covering everything Las Vegas entertainment, so if you want to read his column, check out the Las Vegas Review Journal. Yeah, I do. And I congratulate you guys on your on this project you've got going. I'm, I'm thrilled that this is working out for you. I'm really, really happy for you guys and oh, revealed you. and all that. And it's it's a super thing. And we the community needs you guys, you know, as well. We we uh, we 
understand how much you care about our city. So I'm glad that this is all working out. Well, listen, just like you, you know, we love doing it. We love talking about Las Vegas. We love hearing stories and sharing stories about Las Vegas. You know, we're passionate about this city and also helping to promote it. Yeah, and be uh, be in the solution. That's my thing, you know. That's, uh, that's what we're about. So, uh, yeah, anytime you guys uh, want me on, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be on. Cats, thanks again so much. Always appreciate your time. Stay with us. Our secret tips coming up next. Podcasting is not only becoming a hobby for a lot of people, but actually a main source of income. Podcasting is a job. I know. And you know what? There's easy ways to get started. People think or assume it's really difficult to launch a podcast, but it's not if you use Buzzsprout. That's what we use, and it just makes life so easy. Yeah, Buzzsprout is a, a platform that that will host your podcast no matter the topic. And the great thing about Buzzsprout is that they really help you fine-tune your content and reach the audience that's going to be most interested in hearing what you have to say. Listen, it's step-by-step, easy, gets you listed on all the apps. We promise it's the way to go. You know what? We pay 12 bucks a month and it does everything for us. Post our podcast, it goes to everything Spotify, iHeart, Google, Apple. It's so simple. And we have a referral link for you in our listener notes, okay? That if you click that, you'll get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up. Yeah, so buzzsprout.com, the all in one place for podcast hosting. Welcome back. It's time for Sean and Dana's tips. And you know what? The other day I saw Sean tweet that he was at a restaurant. And I thought, you know, it's rare. Sean and I actually have scaled back. We actually don't go out as much as we used to because we're trying to be safer and more aware. And, you know, restaurants book up with just the 25 capacity that we have, 25% capacity, I should say. So I asked Sean, I said, where did you go the other night? You know? (laughs) And you were like, well, it was Tequila Tuesday. And I'm like, wait, what? And so he was telling me about this. And I was like, this happened has to be a tip because what a deal oh my god and it's such an incredible deal and it's something that um my husband shane and i just kind of stumbled upon uh green yeah valley- yeah sure you did <laughs> <laughs> green valley ranch resort i've actually kept this secret for a few weeks i know you were a little nervous to do this tip because you said you don't want a lot of people to know about it which i thought was funny well because <laughs> restaurants do book up so quickly and i i selfishly want to be able to still go i know um but we're here to spread the wealth this week on Vegas Revealed. Uh, This is at Green Valley Ranch Resort, which is about a 12-minute drive uh, off of the Las Vegas Strip. If you um, go out the 215 in the Green Valley neighborhood of Henderson, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a suburb of Las Vegas, uh, the Green Valley Ranch Resort has this restaurant, Cantina, called Baracha. And every Tuesday, they have tequila and tacos Tuesday. Mm-hmm. It's $24 per person. That's All it? you can eat street tacos and tequila. So that includes margarita and tequila shots. Really? Yes. Well, so 24 bucks and then like how does the tequila work? Like you just keep saying order it up? Like when send we, me another when we order unlimited? Our, our margaritas we say, hey, you know, I'll have a margarita on the rocks with salt, and I'll take a tequila shot, too. Okay. So every time the waiter comes back to check on you, you can order another margarita, another shot, both, however you want to do it. And unlimited tacos? Unlimited uh, street tacos. You Yum. can get chicken tacos or beef tacos. <sighs> they bring them to you on a plate. You get three of each, each round. Um, and it's for $48 combined with all you can eat tacos all you can drink margaritas and tequila shots that is an incredible deal you will not find anything like that anywhere else i guarantee it and another secret tip is that um i probably shouldn't say this but i'm gonna the last round we always make sure that we order more tacos than we can eat because you can take them home in a doggy bag oh perfect and it's lunch for the next day that is a great idea i'm all for (laughs) that idea i love that and you get free ice water (laughs) to sober up (laughs) you do and it's perfect and the casino is just two steps outside the restaurant so you can stay and play for a little bit too get drunk and then go out and blow your money this sounds like a great the best decisions are made (laughs) well it is a time of uh covid so you know the tequila kills everything right (laughs) that's true that's true i love it okay great tip from sean uh another 
tip that I had is kind of somewhat in the same area at Sunset Park. So it's down toward Henderson. And recently, uh, Sean's house is kind of our home office. So I was heading home and I thought, well, where can I like go take a walk? And I forgot like Sunset Park is this amazing park in I don't know. Is it Henderson? I'm trying to think. Well, it's, it's in between like Henderson right and Las Vegas. On like, the border. Yeah. It might be Las Vegas, but I think I think it's Henderson. I think it's Henderson. But I wanted to let people know about it. Because listen, if you are like, say you're even in town, like on the strip, and you just want to get off, see some wildlife, take a, take a walk, it's not a far drive at all. It's minutes. And it's this big oasis. They have lots of different areas of Sunset Park. I did this one little walking track area, and I saw these rabbits that I was sending Sean's videos and it's on my Instagram as well I was like I is this a rabbit or like a kangaroo what is this thing and you were saying yeah that park has the hugest ginormous rabbits they are giant giant they're like the size of small dogs oh my gosh I don't know how or like like what are they and if somebody wrote on my Instagram like what do they eat that's the scary part to stay because they're so big that is true but listen they're beautiful to watch and Sunset Park has a little lake, mm-hmm. and they have beautiful trees and different sorts of nature, depending on where you go, in great big parking lots where you can park and walk in. And it just, I wanted to let people know, obviously, locals mostly know about Sunset Park, um, but also tourists and people that visit. If you just want to get some exercise in, take a quick Uber or a taxi, or if you're renting a car, and drive over there. And it's a really great place to go for a couple hours. Yeah, and I, you, I mean, the running trails over there are great. Um, there's sand volleyball courts. People are always over there playing volleyball. Ooh. Great picnic areas. So it is. It's a good spot. I was just looking up. Does the sand volleyball court come with Tom Cruise? And <laughs> no, but in the in the warmer weather, you will find um, similar looking guys out there uh, okay good shirtless <laughs> which i know is what the point you were getting at yeah the volleyball scene from uh-huh. top gun um and tom cruise wow he flew off the lid we'll talk about that in another podcast but we didn't discuss that yet <laughs> we haven't <laughs> maybe for for, <laughs> for good reason <laughs> and dana while you were reminiscing about tom cruise and you know his recent shenanigans i was looking something up um you mentioned that there's a, a lake over at Sunset Park. Right. And in the middle on one of the islands, um, there's a giant stone tiki head. Oh, I that. used that. to be housed at the Aku Aku Bar and Restaurant at the old Stardust Hotel and Casino. Oh, that's cool. So there's a piece of Vegas history that a lot of people don't realize the origins of. Uh, so make sure that when you're over there, over at the lake at Sunset Park, you look for the island with a giant tiki head, and that used to be at the Stardust. Oh, I love that. See? Even more reason to go. Yeah, it's a really great park. So again, Sunset Park, it is to the east of the Las Vegas Strip. And then, of course, uh, Tuesday <laughs> tequila night over mm. at Green Valley Ranch. I'm all of a sudden thirsty <laughs> and hungry. I love it. I know. Speaking of, we're going to head out. But listen, we thank you so much for joining us this week for episode 52. Make sure that you get on to all the podcast apps and rate and review us. It helps us so much. We appreciate it. We just found out today, we looked at this site called Listen Notes, that we are ranked in the top 2.5% of the 1.9 million podcasts that are made available to the public. Wow. I know. We were like jumping up and down. We're going, what? But we have a popularity score that's pretty high, which we are thankful for. And it's because of all of you. Yes. So thank you very much for listening week after week. We are working on some good stuff for you in the weeks to come. And as Las Vegas begins to open up and welcome back tourists, hopefully coming up this summer we'll have even better stuff for you on the entertainment front that's for sure have a great week everyone later Later.